0: Uh, Sam, Mega Game, it was on Sunday. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, And I did not get up to as many shenanigans as you thought I would. Uh,
1: What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You held another ship at gunpoint. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) You tried to shoot a ship with three captains and the admiral on it. (laughs) Like, you were annoyed that that wasn't fully carried out. Like, that's not even the story. Like, so, all right, that's kind of a window into what it was like running the thing. So by the end of it, Sam, I was pretty drained. I kind of, I kind of went to sleep. I had like a nap for a couple hours, then sat around, relaxed, played some games. I decided to just, you know, order out some food, but it was getting kind of late and I was a little worried that uh, it would, you know, the restaurant would close because there's this uh, Greek place I like that they have good shawarma. Anyway. So uh, it closed at 10, but I, I was out of a walk. But even then, I still put in the order at 9.15 because I was like, I don't want to order just like minutes before the close. I'm not going to be a jerk. So that, that, I feel like that's a reasonable amount of time, four to five minutes.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you're within the half an hour, that's the danger zone. But
1: outside the half an hour, that's you're open. Yeah, yeah. So I I went I went to, into the house. I, I got back home. I, I showered. I told dad, hey, food might arrive when I'm showering. You know, just, you know, they'll knock. Just bring it in. Uh, I came out, food hadn't arrived, I noticed that, oh, it got delayed. And yeah, honestly, not a big deal, because of the weird hours I'd been keeping, I wasn't even that hungry yet, I just ordered early, because, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I wanted they were closing, so, honestly, it being delayed was fine for me, so, I didn't mind as I sat there and it was delayed to like, oh, it'll show up at 10.30 now, oh, it'll show up at 10.45, oh, it'll show up at like, it'll show up at like 11.15, I think as late as <laughs> it got to, uh, and so at 11.15, uh, I got a message saying it arrived. And I went out, it wasn't there. And it said I got a call from a lady who, and I, I realized this when I looked at like the address of the place, this restaurant is like North Tacoma. So this is a distance for her to go. <laughs> and it, it was the middle of Memorial Day weekend, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and she had gotten lost in the park.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, for context, podcast listeners, uh, North Tacoma to Harry's residence is conservatively about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes.
1: Yeah, so it, she was saying, like, I have no idea where I am. It's dark and there's trees. And I... <laughs> so I, I had to give her instructions. Now, here's an embarrassing part, and keep in mind, I was very tired and distracted, but Sam, uh, I might be bleep this, but do you know the name of the apartment complex I'm at? The Oak Tree? <laughs> You're half right. It's it's the Oak Ridge. Okay. Uh, but there, there's this place right across the street, the Morning Tree. Yeah. And... Because their sign is lighted better, I just see that one more. So oh, no. I did I did say, all right, just check out the map. The Morning Tree Apartments. So eventually she went there. There was... And I, I was waiting outside, by the way, because the first time she, when she said, like, I'm lost, I went out. Just, I walked out uh, up the stairs to the parking area just to wait. And, you know, I, I did put on shoes or socks because, like, oh, I just need to wave someone in. This happens all the time. Uh, but, no, she got lost, and I realized, oh... I got to sprint over there, and so I was, like, running in the middle of the night in bare feet <laughs> through a parking lot to... And I didn't want to say, like, oh, I got the address wrong, but I kind of started having to and be like, oh, I'm, uh... Oh, I'm sorry, I got the name of the apartment complex wrong. I- I'm just visiting, uh, so I guess it's a mistake. By the way, I've lived here for years. <laughs> so, the, the story basically ends with me waiting on the street for a while and the lady pulling up, and she... You know, she had to be apologetic because of the way the customer service stuff works. But well, like, because I, I it's felt-
0: capitalism and she's in the service industry and therefore her livelihood depends on the goodwill of the customers and the tips that they provide.
1: The, the story basically ends with me going back on the app and trying to find out a way to retroactively tip her more. And I couldn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> So there we are. Oh, Harry.
0: Welcome to Brokazatsu 2 Brothers Exploration of Tokazatsu shows
1: and related media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I I guess I need to apologize again because uh even as I was uh, mentioning last last episode, like oh, I'm sorry, it went out a little late. Uh we straight up missed an episode, and also the the one that we finally got back on also came out like on a Wednesday. So it's been uh I, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was inventing new and exciting ends to burn the candle at. Like, I, <laughs> I went from just lazing around in my room not being productive to creating a very intensive online interactive interface that had to be organized with different people and, like, time zones and stuff like that. It was it was a whole deal. And, uh, I mean, it, it was successful.
0: I want to make fun of you, Harry. I really do. You know, you know as your brother, I want to mock you. But I gotta admit, man, that interface was fucking fantastic.
1: I'd say I put in 60 hours of work for an event that lasted, like, most of a day. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it it helped. And, you know, maybe I'm doing some more stuff in the future, maybe... It lasted you know, it,
0: most of a day, and I only gave you, like, two heart attacks
1: in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a whole a whole thing. Uh, it's water under the bridge, it's passed behind us, and I'm trying to make it up. Like, I... I released that episode late, but I'm gonna try to get this one out early. I have not recordings of that mega game, but a different mega game because I mean that one we did. People requested that wasn't for a variety of reasons. They requested to not be streamed or recorded or anything. So yeah, we did that. But there's a different one where nobody said that. So fuck it. Yeah, I got the recordings of that one. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna see if I can edit something together. Uh, yeah. So Harry, the uh, uh, the mega game interface
0: that you were using for that, like that's a pretty robust system, and the uh, the game we might as well name check it like den of wolves yeah like that's a fairly popular mega game so is your interface going to be used by other
1: uh mega game groups that run that uh if I can get it uh set up in a way where it's not made of like duct tape in the background like it 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 was pretty ramshackle and it kind of in its current state needs to be run by people who know it, it very intricately so there's some work to be done to make it uh and portable yeah, user friendly. I see. I see. But but that's a whole different deal because we got something much more important to talk about. Power Rangers. Yeah, children's cartoons. Well not cartoons, children's TV shows. Uh yes. American Toku. Uh episode fourteen of Power Rangers RPM.
0: So as this uh, episode begins, we start with a Megazord fight, and it's been a long time since this has happened, so it always makes me really happy when Power Rangers episodes start with a Megazord fight, because the Megazord fights are the worst part of every Power Rangers episode, so if they could just, like, get that out of the way,
1: then I am so on board. Uh, And and this one starts also with some pretty good banter. Uh, Scott is annoyed at the route Uh, Ziggy took them, but Ziggy... I didn't realize they qualified for carpool lane, but there are, like, five people in the Megazord. And also, they're in in a giant robot, so they qualify for whatever lane they want.
0: Uh, yes, it is the 900-pound gorilla uh, corollary. Like, where does a 900-pound gorilla sit? Wherever the fuck it wants.
1: Yeah, except it's the 10,000 ton mech.
0: Yes, that is protecting the city, the last bastion for humanity in this world.
1: Or is it? Or is it? Uh, So they fight a bit, (laughs) once they run out of banter, they they fight, then they do the thing of, oh, it's too fast, you gotta go into the more maneuverable 2 Megazord thing. Just, like, one or two times a series they have to justify why they don't just always use the biggest one right away.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, I should describe the Monster of the Week uh, this uh, week for this episode, or the first one, because these episodes kind of have several Monsters of the Week.
1: But the the other one isn't a Monster of the Week.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But the one that they are dispatching quickly at the start of this episode, it is a green gas can with arms and legs, and that is literally it. Like, they spent zero time (laughs) on this monster design. Like, go into your shed, pick up your gas can, imagine it green, and then imagine it with, like, Mr. Potato Head arms and legs. That is the monster that they are fighting, (laughs)
1: It's just, the the way I took notes, by which I mean actually just screen caps. Uh, I only see, like, one partial view of this thing from behind, and even from there, I can tell it's very boring, and it makes sense why they burned this monster on just kind of an intro for an episode.
0: I know, how many monsters, like, this series, like, we made a big deal of it early on when there was a monster of the week that was on screen for 20 seconds. Like, this guy's on for considerably less, and I know that he's, like, an opening throwaway monster, but... <laughs> In the Japanese series, he clearly wasn't,
1: right? Well, yeah, I mean, look, these shows last for, like, 50 episodes, uh, but Power Rangers RPM is just 32. So they, you know, they had uh, extra monsters. On average, they could do about two an episode. And they've done, like, three an episode sometimes. And then other times, they just did one an episode. But no, this time, they're introdu- they're furthering the plot, because, Yeah. Uh, you know, the the mos- the attack bot is destroyed, put back at the v- at the base of Vengeix. Vengeix declares that his days of defeat are over. So
0: there is a new monster of the week that they pull out, and it is a very white. It's it's almost like a simple baseline model, like very humanoid in form, very plain, which. You know, as a candy viewer, you could tell is like, oh, that means this thing must be super powerful and super important because they designed it so that a human can move around easily in it.
1: Yeah, he passed the Sephiroth threshold and now he's just a weird, uh, like, white angelic looking one. Mm-hmm. Although he's also got weird, I I feel like this might have been some kind of protractor monster in the Japanese version because he's got, like, lots of measurements things on him. It's like his... he
0: has a star chart thing on his chest that, you know, I... lights up with LEDs. And I
1: think his sword is a ruler. I don't know. I, I should have looked it up, but I didn't.
0: Uh, but anyway, this is Lord Vengex. So it turns out that the uh, villain of the series has decided to anthropomorphize himself and actually go into a physical form so
1: he can get his own hands dirty. Yeah, well, he wants to feel them die beneath his hands. Mm-hmm. He already has a new plot in place because they, they were getting a lot done when they were, like, injecting, injecting stuff into Dylan. I mean, full...
0: Full props to them, like, they made a plan, and they had, like, five different
1: contingencies down on it. Yeah, and I mean, in so many series, we would be asking, why did the monster just do all the plans? Hey, this is a series where the monster does.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate that.
1: Back at the garage, uh, Summer and Dylan, they're sitting, and Summer is trying to do some hypnotherapy on Dylan. Because still got he's still got that amnesia, and they need to find a way to unlock those memories.
0: So, was hypnotherapy, like, memory regression, a part of Ranger Yellow's, like, weird billionaire Bruce Wayne training? I I don't know. Like, Um, how many
1: random skills does
0: she have? Like, so she has all the fighting ability, all, like, the racing ability, the medical ability, and now she does, like, fucking hypnotic regression therapy. I I mean... (sighs) As a debutante, like, full propster, like, she used her money well. She got all the skills.
1: Well, also, Dylan has been, like, mind-controlled a lot, so I feel like he's pretty, he's a pretty easy mark, hypnotherapy-wise. Like, he he was mind-controlled last episode, and two episodes ago he had his mind partially wiped and stuff, and maybe he just gets randomly hypnotized walking down the street. And, (laughs) like, Summer asks, like, have you ever tried this before? And he says, I don't know, I have amnesia. I just wanted to get that line in.
0: So, yeah, they're doing the regression therapy, and they come up with something, like the name Kenmore along with a visual image. Like, there's some interspace shots of him just, like, being in the Vengex base. And uh, so they take this name, the Skedmore, and they realize that it is a section in a city some 279 kilometers away from the safe zone.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're talking about ways to go and look at it, and Dylan is, like, pretty interested. And also, he's not super interested on in working with Dr. K, because Dr. K did reveal the whole origin of Vengex, And he's calling her out a bit on it. Like, you know, hey, uh, this virus killing me. It it is the one that you made. And when Summer says it's a mistake, he says, hey, I spilled the OJ this morning. That was a mistake. She ended the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm on both of their sides on this one. She was in a real bad situation.
1: No, she she was an abused child. Not soldier, but, like, child scientist. And... Like yeah, she she tried to get out of a bad situation and accidentally ended the world. Yeah, like, uh, and and she's also right in that uh, you know she she accepts her guilt, but there nothing is gauged by you know basically revealing herself to the authorities yet because they didn't tell the they didn't tell Colonel Truman.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out that that two hundred seventy nine kilometers that is a little too far away for the ranger vehicles. Uh, they do not have that range, um, so they need to get a vehicle from the military. So Ranger Red goes to uh, visit his father, and they have a discussion about, like, whether or not they should go outside. The father is steadfastly against. He drops the line that we need to keep the shield up. We're safe here. We can outlast the Vengex. And
1: how? <laughs> uh I think that's just him not having a plan, like, because what's he going to say? Hey, there's no way to win this war. But I mean, yeah, they're robots. They don't sleep. There's they're constantly evolving and growing more and more of them. Like they are exponential. Mm
0: -hmm. They are entropy. We are losing this. Uh. But yeah, anyway, he convinces his father to lend them a super secret military vehicle, which it turns out is a Winnebago.
1: And in a reference to the original Sentai series, they do name it the Go-Onger, the Ground Outdoor Operational Network General Purpose Exploration Rover.
0: So that's a reference to the first super, to the the Super Sentai series that this is based on or like a previous one?
1: No, the one I mean, the Sentai was Go-Onger.
0: That that's what I thought it was, just you know, confirming.
1: And uh, Scott also mentions, hey, this is my dad's favorite possession. He was part of the development team, and Dr. K throws some shades. Yeah, yeah I I know the installation that made it. I can recognize the shot at work anywhere. <laughs> oh,
0: Dr. Light. Uh, So, yeah, uh, the military agrees to let them go, so they lower all the shields and open all the gates. God like, damn all it, the sh- can't they all just the gates? open one? Just one! You just yeah. need to open one gate.
1: I mean... For like
0: five seconds.
1: This was a slush fund project. Maybe there's just on or off as far as shield and gate. Uh,
0: We really, we bring that up all the time and we really need to stop, but it's, it's dumb.
1: (laughs) Look, the the Colonel is angry because the Rangers are leaving and now they just need to arm even more mafia members to defend their streets.
0: Uh, So the Rangers go outside and almost immediately run into Papa Vengex who now has some new, like, uh, red shading on his armor. Kind of looks like uh, Attack on Titan-style, like, muscles that he has going mm-hmm. on. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, but yeah, then Papa Vengex just proceeds to kick the Rager's asses for literally half the episode. Like, it's a 22-minute episode, and he just run them into the ground for 11 minutes.
1: So I was a little worried at the start of this because it seemed like they were doing shaky cam stuff, but then it kind of lit my eyes center on the middle of the screen and i think it's actually doing that thing that free fury road did so well like actually good action movies do where they kind of center the action like if you just the the point that you're supposed to focus on when they change shots it's in the same part of the screen so you can actually follow it better than you should be able to yeah good cinematographers on here do you think any cinematographers on here went on to work on fury road i i wouldn't be shocked i mean it's Fury Road wasn't that filmed in, like, Australia, and New-, New Zealand is not very far from there.
0: I mean, it's cars and explosions in the desert. Doesn't that just scream toku to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, maybe we should just look it up because this is going to be a short episode because, I'm not going to lie, uh, of these two Power Rangers RPM episodes, like, two-thirds of them is fight scenes. <laughs> We're close to being done with the first one.
0: Yeah, I think, <clears throat> Jesus, yeah. So uh, after the fight, uh, so they run away in the RV uh, with the, you know, Papa Vengex. He gets in a flyer, totally not like a Terminator Salvation chase scene, and they're hiding in a cave. And uh, as they were leaving the city, Dr. Light gave them a single uh, Megazord transformation that they could use. And so they decide to use it now to take down the flyer, and it kind of works. Uh, but then when they attack it with their When they attack it with their, uh, small vehicles, the Vendrix flagship actually breaks into a number of smaller
1: vehicles. Yep, so he's kind of using a combining sword of his own. And they're in a lot of trouble. Until.
0: Mystery zords appear that are suspiciously silver and gold.
1: A weird flying, like, chicken and hawk, I think.
0: But hey, they both have gatling guns and that's the important part. So they shoot down the Vendrix.
1: Yeah, and they're clearly having the time over their lives. Now, Sam, a couple episodes ago, uh, when Gemma Gemma were running off and, like, they apparently died, you you were saying, boy, I bet when we meet back up with them, they're not as happy-go-lucky anymore. You are entirely wrong.
0: I am 100% wrong. Like, they were cheery and upbeat before, and then the world ended, and hey, still cheery
1: and upbeat. I mean, they were trained probably since birth to be super soldiers, and then the world descended into endless war. So, I mean, they're doing what they do best. And they're just, they're like exploding robots and high-fiving just forever. They spent three years just doing backflips over explosions.
0: <laughs> yeah, so good on them. Uh, but yes, after uh, Papa Vengex is uh, destroyed, uh, we go back to the enemy base where the generals are immediately vying to see who is going to be the new leader as Papa Avengers was murdered. Uh, Tanaya quickly beats up the other generals, thus establishing her dominance. But then, of course, Vendrix shows up and says, hey, turns out I'm immortal. I'm Ultron, bitches.
1: Yeah, I'm a computer. I just, I control C to then control V myself into that body. But there's still me here.
0: Yep. Yeah, and he says that he has also laid a trap for the rangers. Mwahahahaha. Uh,
1: they stop him on a fairly regular basis. But no, this is his best plan yet. And this is actually a pretty good one
0: it's not bad and you know like we said before like this is this is plan e unlike the original plan that they were using so this is a redundancy of a redundancy of a redundancy so even if this fails i mean hey like it wasn't plan a
1: yeah and and also i mean they're robots what's he losing robots he could just make more of
0: uh so as the next episode begins uh the ranger rv is driving through the post-apocalypse and uh they are, the team is debating uh, who the Silver and Gold Rangers are. They, of course, haven't seen that they're Rangers. They've just seen their vehicles, but, you know, they're they're the
1: Silver and Gold Ranger. We know this. Uh, Flynn thinks they're ghosts, and Ziggy is kind of shocked that he would just immediately escalate to that, because I, I know crazy stuff is happening, but ghosts, really? <laughs> it does seem like there are some more
0: logical explanations before you get to ghosts. Uh, but yeah, uh, back at the, uh, back at the city, Dr. Light is scanning the coin that was placed on Dylan's neck the previous week to, uh, cause him to be, to cause him to have the virus, uh, uploaded into him. And she realizes, oh no, there's some memories in here. The Vengex implanted false memories so that if their original plan didn't work, he would be drawn into a trap in the Kenmore Square
1: they gave him a fake dramatic backstory so he would go there and then they could just blow him up
0: yeah good move I appreciate that
1: and she tries to call them but they're far enough into the radiation belts because they they still point out this is an irradiated wasteland uh, that they can't she can't get the signal through
0: uh, back in the apocalypse city where the Kenmore is, uh, Ranger Black he's looking around. The team is, you know, asking him, "Okay, so this is your home? Just guide us to what you recognize." And he's looking around. I don't recognize shit. I I don't think I've ever actually been here. Yeah,
1: and everyone else is convinced this must be plot relevant. So Scott decides, "Hey, let's let's split up."
0: You know, it's funny. Like they're being, the Rangers are being plot savvy. Because, you know, in every other Toku show, this would work. Like, you know, just walk the person around until he finds, like, the secret of his backstory. And they're being genre smart. It's just that the Vengeics are a step ahead of them this one specific time.
1: Back at the city, Dr. K is, like, really telling uh, Colonel Truman, hey, I need more power to send the signal so I can break through. But to do that, she would need to, like, lower the shields partially. So Truman's not willing to do it. So Dr. K says, hey, uh, you know, while I was a member of that secret government think tank that also Dr. Truman knows about. So I I, I think I mentioned it a while ago, I think that's why the Power Ranger suits are not just military gear, because maybe Dr. K does like the military. Anyway, she says, hey, at a certain point, I was told to invent a substance that if you ate it or drank it, it would make you poop yourself to death. Dr. Truman is drinking coffee while she says this.
0: So are you going to lower the shields or not? Uh, So
1: Truman says, uh, lower the shields by 15%. (laughs) Uh,
0: So yeah, she manages to uh, get a message out. Uh, The Ranger team has split up, uh, but uh, Rangers green and blue have uh, come back to the RV to check in, and they
1: get the message from Dr. Light. Uh, and at, just as they run off, Ziggy goes to the screen and says, by the way, we saw weird gold and silver swords. I'm not sure what's going on there. Maybe, maybe try to figure out what's going on with them.
0: Wait, did you say silver and gold? Wait, ragers, Rangers, come back in. So the Rangers uh, get back together with the message that this is all a trap and an ambush. Uh, just in time for the ambush to be sprung. So the monster of the week this time. Uh, he is a walking blue church organ with shotgun bandoliers and dynamite sticks everywhere. I loved this design. <laughs> like, uh, do they call him, like, the Dinobot or, like, the BombBot or something?
1: I, I don't know. Like, he, he probably does have a name, but it, it's not like they exchange pleasantries. He just shows up and starts chucking grenades.
0: Yeah, and this is... This is the token monster that I live for. Like this type of design. Just busy but also on a theme, very characterful, very like you you know what he does just by looking at him.
1: So big long fight scene. I mean I'm i scrolling past my screeds. I mean fighting, fighting, fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, yeah, but uh, then...
0: they're they're losing. It's a nice brutal fight, uh until gold and silver show up. And
1: on on foot, they're very very powerful they have so their main weapons are daggers which are also rockets so they basically just fire themselves at enemies like kick flipping and yelling yay as they do it yeah these
0: guys can fly that seems unfair well then again the other rangers can stop time and be invincible and can fire small energy blasts which are weaker than like the the blasts that come out of their guns god damn it ranger yellow like you got the shit end of the stick there
1: yeah, and also her special weapon is just like a tiny RC car that kind of... It, it's even bouncing off the shitty monster in this episode. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Ranger Yellow. You're still cool. You know, hypnotherapy. So they, the Rangers, they, they pile into the RV and they drive away. But the Monster of the Week has attached a bomb to the back of it. So when they get to kind of an isolated rock quarry, because of course...
0: Yeah, the bombs go off, it drives the RV into a cliff, and uh, the rangers jump out just in time. Ranger Red is like, oh no, my dad's gonna be so pissed.
1: Yeah, and so cue the dodeca backup ambush.
0: (laughs) Just ambushes on top of ambushes on top of ambushes. And hey, uh, Papa Vengex is there along with one of the generals and the bomb bot. And Vengex throws these red things that just tie up the rangers and they're about to coup de gras and eliminate the heroes of our show
1: yeah he's using the mixed sequencing code from the vegex virus itself and i don't think that means anything it's just the monster threw weird red bands around the rangers of the original footage they had to say something
0: i mean it's they didn't need to say anything he could just throw red bands you know that's just the <laughs> yeah. power he has
1: now, uh, now i'm gonna trap you that's all he needs to say
0: yeah just call them nothing. We, we know what they are. They're energy restraints. This is Toku. We know this.
1: But gold and silver, they show up with their zords. And hey, they're not in the city or in the middle of like any civilian population. So they just light this fucker up with their zords.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of small monsters on the ground. And so they lay into them with their big ass Gatling guns.
1: Uh, a <laughs> lot more cheering, a lot more like giant explosions. They, they seem to be loosely fire and ice themed in terms of special attacks.
0: And they take out the Bombot. Like, the uh, Vengex and the General, they say, Oh, it looks like this one's not going our way, so we're going to evacuate. Come back later, and uh, the Bombot can finish this
1: for us. Uh, He gets killed, and he doesn't even get big. They, they I know. just... Uh,
0: no yeah. Megazord! There's no Megazord this episode! Yeah. So. I guess there was kind of two Megazords the previous episode, even though they were both abbreviated, but still, I am taking it.
1: And they give the rangers a lift. Back at the military base, they receive two incoming blips on the radar uh, with no bio-signals. But Dr. K says, don't worry, they have stealth masking uh, technology that I developed. Lower the shields and let them in. And as the rangers are kind of explaining to the gold and silver rangers that, oh, Dr. K, I'm not sure if you've met her, but she can be kind of cold, so, you know, just brace yourself for that, it's not personal. They take off their helmets. Shock, it's Gemma Gemma. And Dr. K bursts into tears, says Jem Jemma, and runs forward for a hug. And that's how the episode closes. Just the three friends,
0: like, who thought each other dead, uh, giving each other a nice big hug. It, it, it's a good
1: moment, you know?
0: It's very touching. And now they've got, like, the full team, Asterix, at least until Tania turns.
1: So, that's Power Rangers RPM. I'm not sure uh, how quickly we cover that in terms of episode. Um, but I, I think. So, the thing is, uh, now Gemma and Gemma are back in civilization and they may have a little trouble adjusting to that. And that's something to look forward to next episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been like uh, mercenaries just fragging robots nonstop for three years in the Badlands. And now they're around humanity again. Yeah, like, collateral be... damage.
1: Yeah. Cl- collateral damage was never a concern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, that, that was just fast moving, constant action, but. Just as a bit of a alternate. And because we didn't really have any other plans, we decided to watch something random. And hey, it was pretty fun. So
0: Yes, so we decided to watch the Amazon Prime series Samurai Cat. Or Nico Nico Samurai? Neko yeah. Samurai?
1: Yep. Neko Samurai. Or Samurai Cat, you know. They mean the same thing. It's just, whether, it's just whether you use the Japanese word for cat or not.
0: So this is a series that... Uh, you know, me and my wife had been interested in watching for quite some time because we were quite into cats. uh, And so we busted it out and realized that it would be great for the show. It's not really great for uh episodic, like blow by blow. This is very much a, a an environmental show, like a, uh, a slow burn type of series. Like if we were describing it in terms of plot, each episode would have a minute of plot.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a slow, atmospheric drama slash comedy about a very, uh, like, competent and uh, intimidating, but also just kind of lowly and awkward samurai.
0: <laughs> like, that that's my favorite part of this. Like, the samurai, like, you look at the posters, you look at the actor, he's got that classic just, like, stone face, just, like, looking daggers at you, just uh, looking pissed at the entire world like he's got to rip everyone apart. The thing is, he's, like, so, so awkward, and so, like, projection of masculinity. Like, he's he's a perfect Toku hero. Like, he's very competent in a fight, but in everything else, he's just awkward as fuck.
1: Yeah. Uh, although this isn't Toku. Like, you, in chatting you said it kind of was, but no, this is a different genre. Uh, this is uh, Chanbara, which is just what they called the type of samurai with and their swords in that period. Like, like Westerns, but, you know, the Japanese version. Where's the line
0: between period pieces and toku? Because I thought that toku was anything with, like, costumes and special effects, so this
1: would actually apply. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's one of those things where the strict definition means one thing, but in practice it means another. Like, what is a superhero comic versus, like, a sci-fi comic, you know? A lot of the elements might show up in both of them, but you can kind of tell by the feel.
0: Is Guardians of the Galaxy, superheroes or sci-fi. Okay, okay. Uh, but anyway, it's
1: adorable. <laughs> so as it starts off, uh, the main character is... Uh, I th- what was his name? Kyo something? Hold on.
0: You're not asking me for a character's name, are you, Harry? We've been doing this show for like two years now. You're not asking me for a character's name.
1: Uh Kytaro. His name's Kyutaro.
0: Okay, I'm going to forget that in five seconds.
1: Yep, and he's a samurai who has lost his job. But wasn't forced to kill himself, like happened a lot in Japan, I think. So I, I guess the circumstances that happened on you haven't actually been touched on in the show. I think they may become important later. Uh, but as it is, he's just out of a job and just sitting at home.
0: Well, no, not at home. Like, he was forced to leave his home, uh, possibly uh, due to the reasons behind him being fired in the first place. But again, we really don't know what's happening. So he has left behind a wife and a daughter. Uh, who we will have flashbacks to every episode of his daughter just trying to bond with him, but him being a very awkward, like, he has to be stoic, he has to be tough, he has to be a samurai, so he cannot show affection to his daughter, even though she cries out for it, and he really wants to hug his daughter, but no...
1: Yeah, and also just because of his resting, angry face, uh, anytime the daughter messes up, she feels like he's way more upset about it than he actually is, and she freaks out, and then the wife shows up and kind of scolds him, and so but he he's very awkward around them, and uh, early on in the episode, uh, he like gets some letters from them, and he just takes the letters and puts them in a drawer of his dresser, filled with other letters, none of which he has opened.
0: So it's uh, it's hard times at home. He has left them to make his fortune and, like, send money back so that they could take care of themselves. Uh,
1: But he's failing because there is no work for samurais right now. Because he was raised by his father in a very specific way, he is very disdainful of any job that's not being a samurai. So even though people keep bringing up, hey, you know, you could teach students, you could just get a job, like, making umbrellas or something like that, he really wants to actually just be a samurai. But... He's also, because he's been out of work for so long, he's really scruffy, he hasn't been bathing well, and when he goes to a place with like a recommendation letter, they won't even like read their letter or let him in.
0: Mm-hmm. There are so many unemployed samurai just wandering around with fake letters, and even though it's a real letter, uh, they're not going to let him in, they're not going to give him a chance. Now, we he will occasionally run into other samurais of the city or uh, people getting beat up, and we will get to see his prowess, like, this guy's a badass. Uh, so far, no one's gotten close to touching him. And I'm like
1: four or five episodes in. Yeah, like uh, a cup. There's uh, a lady selling donut sticks, which she mentions is like, hey, it's imported from uh, overseas. And like uh, he he's kind of grumbling and really wants to grab one, but he has no money. So instead he's just fishing crawfish out of the river. Some um, Samurai come up and kind of make fun of him and say like, hey, we're going to fuck you up, man. And they mess up his basket full of crawfish. So he just spins, and in one move, slices apart their donut sticks. and resheats his sword.
0: So it's very clear this guy knows what he's doing when he's actually being a samurai. It's just all the rest of the time that he has no idea what the fuck to do.
1: Yeah, and it's also like, uh, I mean, we can go on like a little, a little out of uh, chronological order, right?
0: Oh, I was going completely out of chronological order.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. Did you get to the bit in I think episode four where? he meets somebody from that, that he clearly knew in his old job.
0: Yes. Yes, I did.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's going to be important because he goes again to the place to say like, Hey, it's a real letter. Let me in. I, I'm good at this. And I uh, this guy shows up and they recognize each other. And there's a brief scene to them. Sword fighting. The guy says, Oh, you need a job here. Sure. I'll, I'll talk to the boss. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. And he's very grateful. But when he goes back the next day, the guy didn't tell anyone and has left town.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's clearly some bad blood in this
1: person's past. Uh, I, I suspect, given this guy's whole deal, he may have just fallen due to politics because, oh. you know, he can't actually talk to people. Mm-hmm.
0: He looked angrily at the wrong person when, actually, he
1: was born with this face and he can't help it. Yeah, where they couldn't beat him on the battlefields, they they took him down in the courtroom.
0: Uh, but we've been talking a lot about the samurai. Let's talk about the cat.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's poor. He's wandering around. And a guy says, hey, I need, you're your samurai. You're clearly very good. I need to hire you. And I'll pay you three rio. So a, a rio is like a gold coin. I think it, you can think of it like a $1,000. So like it's a grand, you know? Three, I'll pay you th- two grand. No, three grand to kill this cat. Because I think the cat is an evil monster possessing my, my uh, boss. It takes a little bit of talking, too, like
0: to convince uh, the samurai that assassinating a demon cat is a worthy task for a samurai. But in the end, he agrees, especially because he is flat fucking broke, has has no money at all to his name, and could desperately use the $3,000.
1: Yeah, I I think the guy calls it specifically like a Nikomada, a a type of yokai. But anyway, he sneaks into the building, the the door was unlocked, it was all set up, and I think... The samurai doesn't realize it, but obviously there's more to this whole situation going on that you know, he's uh, just kind of stumbling through.
0: There is so much more. Like, the man who hired the samurai says that the reason this cat needs to die uh, is that it's a demon and it is uh, sucking the life from his boss. So that his employer uh, bought this cat. Uh, this cat came into the employer's life. And since then, he's just been obsessed with it, and hasn't been doing anything else, and has been getting weaker and weaker. So, really, killing this demon cat is doing a is doing a solid for him. It's doing a favor.
1: It's helping everyone. And you see a brief clip of the of the boss just sitting alone in his room petting a cat, like, "Oh, you're so cute, man. It's just you and me, cat. We're gonna get through this." And it's like, man, put some feels here. Uh,
0: it is an adorable cat. So this like this cat, it's like a pure white cat. And it is the calmest fucking cat. Like, it it doesn't meow at all. Like, it's just, all the shots with him, like, for the episodes, it's just, people are picking it up, they're putting it on their shoulder, or keeping it in their arms, and it's just lying on the ground, rolling around, being adorable, just being a nice, nice, happy cat. Just the chillest fucking cat.
1: Yep, great supporting actor role on this cat. <laughs> uh, the samurai goes in, it's like, he sees the cat, like, just kind of sitting on a pillow. He pulls out a sword, and it cuts to black.
0: Uh, the next day, the, uh, the manager finds the cat's cut collar uh, on the stand and immediately assumes that the cat has been murdered most foully.
1: Well, he left, like, a note saying, like, you know, I've, I've slain the demon. <laughs> uh, and when, when the, uh, his subordinate goes to say, hey, so good job, I got the note, but, I mean, there was no body. Can you just confirm it with a body? The Samurai just gives him a pot that says... The pot has, like, a sticker on it that says, Demon's Sealing. It says, don't open this ever, or else it'll attack you or something.
0: I mean, it's like, it's a demon Seal, like, paper, isn't it? You know, like, from Inuyasha. That's gotta be my cultural uh, touchstone and reference that I'm choosing. And I'm sticking with it.
1: Also, I think it's, like, Japanese Onmyoji mag- magic. In- Inuyasha did not invent it. I beg to differ. <sighs> okay. Anyway... So he he gives the guy uh, pots, you know, this is the body, never open it, keep it somewhere safe, Mm -hmm. and the guy leaves. And as soon as he does, the cat just walks out from the closet, and, you know, the guy starts putting it.
0: The cat has really good timing. It knows what it should hide, which, as a person who has owned a lot of cats in their lives, is not a typical cat trait.
1: Yeah. The cat is, like, kind of an impediment, but only, like kind of endearing ways which is not what cats are actually like this this cat is far too mannered and cooperative like <laughs> he gives the cat a bath in one episode and the cat is like barely fighting
0: yeah yeah whenever we have to give a bath to our cats i mean like we take out life insurance like we just start popping antibiotics beforehand to save the time
1: yeah you put on those like chainmail gloves that you use to cut meat and deal with sharks you know <laughs> because you're, you're getting some claws
0: oh yeah all the claws Uh, But yeah, over the series of the next few episodes, he goes through like, so he has a cat now and he has no idea how to have a cat. So we'll have an episode where the cat gets fleas and he has to get some soap to wash the cat. Uh, The cat is refusing to eat any of the rice that he is trying to serve it because he needs to make special food for the cat. Um, And it's as he like slowly just does more and more for the cat. Like, he's also opening up emotionally. Like, this cat is healing him. Like, it's causing him to, you know, to be more connected to the world.
1: Yep, it's an emotional support animal, you know? It, like, it, uh, it's helping him, and he keeps relating it to his uh, relationship with his daughter. Like, the when, I mean, the, the, the cat pees on him, because it's a cat, and he remembers a moment when his daughter, like, wet the bed, and he couldn't really express, like, oh, that's not a big deal. And the daughter, you know, freaked out. Or... Mm-hmm. Like, when the cat needs food, and, like, the time the daughter uh, made him something. But he has... Oh, this is actually kind of a pun, because in Japan, they call people who, uh, like, can't handle really hot foods or drink. Uh, They say they have a cat's tongue. Sam, the the cat in the show is secretly the samurai. (laughs) That's, like, you know, the the twist later on in the series. Like, he's the real cat. Yeah, and that's... hmm? Does that mean that the cat is the samurai?
0: probably probably like I I'm not sure what the process is of actually becoming a samurai is it the type of thing where you could just pick up a sword and call it yourself
1: I think it's mostly inherited so if his dad was a samurai well okay uh but yeah it, it's just him solely relating to people he the the lady selling the donut sticks you know uh you know he he ate some of them uh because she came and gave him some she moved in and you know she's having some trouble selling them though because they're just sticks and they kind of look like, I th- I think the suggestion is they either look like turds or just kind of, you know, random sticks or whatever. <laughs> I says, mean, they look
0: like, you know, they look like old fashions, like maple bars. They, they do yeah. look delicious to me.
1: No, I'm, I'm sure they'd be great. Like, uh, and by the, I mean, by modern standards, you know, we we think of churros and stuff like slathered and sugar and whatever. But no, that they're good hot food. But he just points out like, no, it's not a great shape. You just got to fix it. And he says it kind of offhand, you know. Uh, and she realizes it and also like due to some awkward uh, conversations where he's had a cat in his jacket and she doesn't realize it but she does hear the cat meowing Th- she thinks he's like really into cats so she starts meowing at the conversations and her like headband when she's working at the shop is she suddenly changes it to look like little cat ears so she's she's kind of either flirting or messing with this guy and he doesn't realize it
0: hmm. I mean is is she flirting with him? I, I don't know, like he is married. He has a child. Like, I well, he, I he, think she might not, just this might be I'm not, platonic.
1: I'm not sure if he's still married anymore. I mean, we'll see. Like he he has a he has a child with a woman who is still alive. But maybe part of the whole deal is that he could. I I don't know. Is is divorce even a thing that could happen in this era of Japan? Was that like allowed?
0: I have no idea. And I. I don't think this is where that is going, because he sends money back to his family. He still, like, you know, cares for his family and, you know, wants to get back to them. Like, they're on his mind constantly. So I don't think that's where the series is going to go. I think she's just going to be a buddy. Yeah, they could just be buds. And that's, that, that's kind of, that samurai cat.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a plot will happen later, and there'll probably be some fights, and maybe the cat is secretly a demon, but still cute and whatever. Uh, but it's just him just sitting around kind of lounging, just rebuilding his life. It it's a super digestible show. Like it's it's adorable,
0: it's, very... it's chill, it's it's heartwarming.
1: Like Yeah. It's fun at low stakes, it's great to it's great to watch like in you know, in big bursts. I mean, these days there's stuff to watch and if you got an Amazon Prime account, then you can watch apparently two seasons of it. I hear there might be a movie too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I was looking at it a little bit, and maybe it was, like, original a movie, and the version we're getting is, like, cut apart, or maybe the movie's just stuck-together version of this or something. I, I don't know. Well, whatever. I mean, it's it's good. We recommend it. Yep, yeah, it's a good, fun thing. Uh, And, I mean, it's just a thing we watched. And next week, we'll find something entirely different to watch. I mean, well, I'll watch more of this, and I'll probably mention it or whatever, but...
0: Until Zero One comes back, which uh, is going to happen. So this is like end of the episode news. Uh,
1: I it, I mean, in theory, it's coming back. I, I I'm, Sam is very hopeful about this. I'm more in the don't catch your chickens before they hatch mode. I mean, this is true, but we've been
0: seeing like, you know, some spoilers for uh, some upcoming suits. And uh, Tohi has confirmed uh, that production and shooting for Zero One is resuming this week. Uh, they're taking special precautions to make people safe, like with uh, all the COVID stuff going on. I have no idea what that means. Maybe it means like underneath all, underneath all the common rider masks, like people are going to have like N95 slapped to their faces.
1: Well, no, that that's the thing. I mean, by any standards, like the the Toku outfits, they're probably insulating them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, there are. Uh, well, like, with this show specifically, it's all small group gatherings, so we'll see, like, you know, uh, our, uh Aruto and Izu, like, uh, together at a Arub- room, and maybe Fuwa will show up, but that's, like, three people. Like, you know, that is well under, like, the, the five max people at any given space within six feet of each other, so that that's safe. So, uh, if if they can do it safely, thank God. You know, come back, we need our entertainment.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I... I'm certainly happy to see it come back, and, you know, when, when it happens, we'll we'll continue watching it. Uh, but, you know, for now, we're watching other stuff, and there's one thing that they can't cancel, Sam.
0: They can't cancel dancing. Just keep dancing, everyone. Keep. Dancing.
1: Just keep on dancing by yourselves. And look forward to whatever content I can throw together as an apology, the... the The various videos and Let's Plays and maybe the failed previous podcasts we did. Like, I I still got those on my drive somewhere. Maybe I'll find ones that haven't aged terribly and throw them up.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, are you talking cannon shields? Are you talking forced family fun? Like, what are you talking, Harry?
1: Uh, We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Ah.